Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to another episode of No Head, where we learn to live in the present moment and navigate life together. This podcast is available in all the podcast apps. If you haven't subscribed, please do so, so you get an alert every time I post. Please rate me as well, as it helps others discover this podcast. How are you doing, breathers? Yeah? That's my name for all of you who are taking time to breathe and be in the present moment. I hope you're well. If you're tuning in for the first time, my name is Dorothy Oko, and when I'm not doing my full-time job in communications, I facilitate a mindfulness course at Google called Search Inside Yourself. Today's quote is from René Godet. Quote, Choice is the basis of every part of your existence, but so is fear. The difference is, choice creates movement, where fear limits movement. End of quote. In today's episode, I chat with Tabitha Kavoy, originally from Kenya and now living in the UK. She is Public Health Speciality Registrar at Public Health England. She's featured on several radio and TV programs and has written many articles for the Ministry of Health UK about lessons learned from the coronavirus outbreak and her experiences. She's giving us a COVID-19 for dummies and debunking the myths we are reading about COVID-19 vaccines. She answers the question why it's important for you to take the vaccine. Welcome, Tabitha, to No Head. I am so happy that we could have you here, an expert on, on public health, talking to us as we grapple with the issues of COVID-19 and the vaccine. Welcome. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, that's fine. You go ahead. As is our practice, we normally just take a few moments to let us just bring ourselves to this present moment. We've had a long day and, and then we will get on to the interview. Will you join me? Thank you. So what we do is... (laughs) So (laughs) what we do is we'll just take a few moments to breathe, which is just breathing in and then holding to a count of two and then breathing out slowly to a count of five, breathing in to a count of five, holding to a count of two and then releasing. And we'll do that for three breaths. So let's start breathing in. Hold, breathe out slowly. Breathing in, hold, breathe out slowly. Breathing in, hold, Breathe out slowly. And now let the breathing return to its normal rhythm. Just letting your breath be 
not controlling anything, just being in touch with your breath. Letting your breath lead you, following your breath. And now bring your awareness back to this interview and to where we are. Thank you. That was coming. <laughs> Welcome. I'm glad. I'm glad we could do that together. I really enjoy doing that with my guests. Thank you. And yeah, thank you again for accepting my invitation to join us for this conversation that is really timely. COVID vaccine. Thanks for having me, Dorothy. But before we do that, my one question always is, how was 2020 for you? What were the lessons COVID-19 taught you? Okay. So, Dorothy, I think that's a big question, but an important one. So when I reflect back on 2020, I think what comes to my mind is unprecedented, really. So nothing about that year was normal. and as I'm trying to think now, I can't think of one word that captures everything in this entirety of 2020. Mm -hmm. So it's been a little bit challenging to say the least, but actually looking at it, it's been a year of, it's been extraordinary as well. You know, it's, it's provided us with many opportunities uh, for learning, for growth. And I think I've had to learn, and I think a lot of other people have had to learn to be resilient, than never before, but learned to show compassion and care to those around us. And most of all, we've had to really be innovative and learn to be creative and, and change with the times in order to continue to, to survive, to thrive, to continue with our daily lives. So I think what it's taught me on a personal level is gratitude and just appreciating everything in life, not taking everything for granted. Being very creative um, in, in how I do my work and both in my home life, but also self-care and, and being kind to myself and, and to those around me and just appreciate the little things that you never have the opportunity to do in a, in a busy life. And I think professionally, it's Public health has been very focused on, on COVID-19 in, in 2020 than any other infectious disease. Although those other infectious diseases have been ongoing, I think the main focus has been on, on, on COVID-19. And when I reflect back beginning of 2020, when we were just hearing about uh, the virus, and at the time it didn't even have a name. I mean, it was called the Wuhan, the virus from right. Wuhan. And we knew very little about it. To where we are now, where we know a lot about it, we've learned about how it's transmitted. There's a lot of science that has gone into it. And we've learned how to, you know, how to track it. We've learned, we've learned its um, impacts. And, you know, again, we've learned sort of how it's, it's highlighted a lot of the inequalities in, in society. And just realized very quickly, actually, although we are all in the same storm, you know, it, it's a worldwide pandemic. You know, we are, we are all experiencing it. We could say we are all in the same storm, but having different boats. So some people have been affected more than others, although it's affected everybody in, in a way. And just land actually was never a, a 
sprint. It's you know, it's it's a marathon. It's a marathon, and uh, just take the time to to deal with it. Um, so there's there's scientific things we've learned. So for example, we at the time you know we've learned more signs and symptoms. If you look at the list, the WHO list or the CDC, the American Organization list of symptoms. It's grown. I mean, when we started, we were talking about two, three main symptoms. And now there's a whole list from there. When we look at who we were testing at the time, we were testing as people, show, uh, people showing symptoms. Now we know that there's people who can have the virus and not show any symptoms at all. So what we call asymptomatic people. So it's been a year of learning, a year of adapting, a, a year of just getting to know and, and working a lot with colleagues to try and understand this a lot better. So various vaccines are being rolled out across the world and there's a lot of information and misinformation that's attached to it as well. And people don't know what to trust, what to believe in. Just help us understand what we need to understand and to make the right decisions. And I wanted you to help us sift the information and answer some of these concerns just this morning, I was listening to the South African case where they've put on hold the Johnson & Johnson vaccine as well. And we know even mm. in Kenya, as much as we've started the rollout, there's still many skeptics, you know, who are thinking, I don't want to go. I don't want to try this, you know, the vaccine. Uh, what we have in Kenya is AstraZeneca and the Sputnik one. So there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy as well. Can you speak to what your experience has been on these two topics? Okay, that's that's a good question, Dorothy. I think probably before we talk about um, vaccine hesitancy, maybe it's important to just think about what's a vaccine, right? And you know, so so people can understand, you know, when we talk about hesitancy, what we, and, and and that will give us a bit of background of why people might hesitate to to have a vaccine. So when we talk about a vaccine, let's think about our immune system, right? So do a vaccine yeah. 101 for dummies for us. Okay. So think about your body. And your body is made of cells. So it's got a, its own defense mechanism. And how the immune system works is when you get a new virus or a disease in your body, what it does is it produces, it tells your cells to produce a similar cell of that virus or of that infection. And so it produces very quickly and then you begin to feel unwell. And then after a couple of days, your body realizes, oh, there's a foreigner in the body. There's something not right in the body. And then it starts fighting. And then after a couple of days, you feel better. So when you think about a cold, you know, you get a cold, you start having signs and symptoms, you feel really unwell, and then you get better. So at that point you're getting better, your body has produced the defense mechanism to deal with the infection. So with vaccines, we, we follow, we mimic, or we, we follow, we try and copy that natural body mechanism. So that it's whereby- fever when we are sick, you know, we, we almost invariably get a fever. Is that the yeah. body trying to get used to the virus or the thing that's in the body? Yeah, so the, the virus, when it gets in, in the body, it tries to get your cells to reproduce itself. So it's trying, to, it's trying to overwhelm your body with its own cells. So that's why you're getting ill. And it takes a couple of days for your cells to say, ooh, you know, for, for it to produce its own soldiers, you know, its own antibodies to attack, you know, to attack the viruses. And at that point, that's when you get better. And then what happens? It leaves a memory 
of those cells. And that's why sometimes when you, so when, when, when an, an attack happens again, then your body can deal with it. And that's why sometimes when you have some diseases and you get them again, you're not as ill as you were before. Because your body, when, when it attacks, your body is like, hmm, I've seen you before. I can deal with that again. What science tries to do is try and mimic that process. So the differences with vaccines is it's literally just like a medicine, but it's given to the body before you have an infection. So you're trying to introduce the antigens, the infections into the body so that the body can recognize them and build a mechanism, a defense mechanism. So when you get attacked by the real virus, your body is able to deal with it and it's produced antibodies to fight it. Okay. So so what so simply it's it's a preventive, it's a preventive way of preventing disease. So you introduce, you introduce these viruses into the body, then the body is like, mm. and they are introduced, they're not the real illness or the real viruses. Mm-hmm. So they're introduced, and when we talk about the different types of viruses, you'll see how you can either introduce either the protein or you introduce a lesser ineffective part of the of the real vaccine or the new kid in the block, which is the mRNA. mRNA. Yeah. And then your body, you know, your body learns to do to do that and it knows. So and it's left with the memory, what we call the T cells and the B cells, the memory. So when in future you get the vaccine or you get the virus or you get an attack, then it knows what to do. It can remember, it can say, oh, I think I remember what to do with that. I recognize these things. They're not normal. I can fight them. Right. So that's how vaccines work in the body. Right. And that's that's what a vaccine is. So when it comes to COVID-19, it's not different. You know, that's that's um that's what they're doing. So they've been working very hard. And I mean, it's 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 just impressive how in a year down down the line we've got vaccines. Yeah. So they're they're using, they're just using the same, it's the same principle of introducing this antibody, these viruses into your body um, or things that look like the COVID-19 viruses into your body. So your body produces um, antibodies to fight them and then it leaves some memory. So if you get infected with this with this virus, then it can fight it. And I think one thing to be clear with people is it does take time to build this mechanism. And that's why I was saying earlier, when you do get a new virus, you get unwell. Isn't right. it? You you feel right. unwell because it takes time. So once you're vaccinated, it does take time for your body to build this mechanism um, and be able to, to fight this um, infection in the future. So that means that it's actually important to have the from what you're saying to be able to to have the vaccine so that that memory is in your body and to help you fight if should you get COVID nineteen. So there are three vaccines: AstraZeneca. Pfizer and the Johnson and Johnson one. Each country sort of what we've seen is each country saying, oh, we are not going to take AstraZeneca because of, we are not going to take Johnson and Johnson because of blood clot seems to be the thing Uh, without showing any bias. Because I know that as a public health professional, for you, it's important that we take the vaccine. You're not choosing which brand. But what, Mm. what, what do people need to know Yes. So in terms of what vaccine is is best or what's better than the other, I think we cannot compare the vaccines like for like for various reasons. 
Now, at the moment, we've got actually around seven vaccines going, you know, going on in the in the world. People being vaccinated by seven. You know, you've mentioned three, but there's four others that are, are ongoing. You know, you've got the Moderna vaccine, you've got the Pfizer Pfizer vaccine, AstraZeneca, you know, Johnson and Johnson, the Sputnik, and there's there's more. There's about seven. Now, the thing is, for a, a vaccine to be approved, it will have gone through some trials. And the reason why I'm saying we cannot compare the vaccine is because they were developed at different time. That's number one. So you'll find that some of the vaccines were developed at the height of, you know, of infections last year, whereas others waited and uh, others did it in the beginning, started development in the beginning. So the population that was used was different. They were tested in different countries. The participants were different. They've been done at different lengths, um, lengths of time. So it's very difficult to say they're all, you know, unless they were all done on the same population at the same time, it's very difficult to say one is better than the other. However, you know, they, they do have to produce some data for them to be approved. There has to be some safety data and, and, and data that regulatory bodies. So, for example, in Europe, there's the European regulatory body. In, in the UK, there's what we call the MHRA. In US, they've got the FDA. And they look at data from these vaccines and decide if they, they're safe or not. Okay. And in Kenya, we do have our own board as well. You know, we do have our Kenya Medicines, Kenya Medicines Medicines Board. So they, right. they, would, they would do that as well. So it's very, for, for me, I think the simple answer is you, it's not like for like. And they will give you, some data gives you things like efficacy and all of that. Efficacy levels that are all different. Some are at 95, some are at 65. So the simple answer is um, it's very difficult to say one is better than the other. I think it's just important and again, what's offered country to country will be different. So, for example, you know, when we're describing the vaccines and how, you know, the different vaccines, they're made differently. So, for example, you find the Pfizer vaccine is an mRNA vaccine. Mm-hmm. So it's a very delicate vaccine. It needs high levels of refrigeration. Transport is an issue. So you find that different countries will offer differently depending on what's available. And, and what the infrastructure is. Right. So, you know, I would say the, the best one is the one that you're offered at this okay. point. And, right. um, and just understand that they are all different and they're not the same. So when we come to, uh, you said you'd talk to us about the, you know, vaccine hesitancy or the denial. Mm-hmm. What has been your experience? You know, we're talking about, you know, historically, and why this is not surprising you now when you when mm-hmm. we are all sort of hesitant about it. Just talk us through it so we know that it's not the first time, nor will it be the last time people are having hesitation about any vaccine. Okay. So I think in the world of, of public health, as you've rightly described it, Dorothy, is it's not new, it's not, it's not unique to COVID-19. We've always seen people hesitating to take vaccines, and we've also seen anti-vax, you know, people who are anti-vaccines for many, many, many years. And an example is the the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, the MMR vaccine, that a lot of people, the uptake is not so good, even in the UK, uh, for some population, because people believe it's associated with um, autism. And even, you know, when you look at some of the campaigns we've had through, like the polio vaccine and things like that in, in Kenya and in Africa, mm-hmm. some of the vaccines are not taken. If you look at our immunization data, 
the percentages for some of the vaccines are very low. So it's it's not it's for us it's not a new thing. Okay. But because with COVID-19, it's very tropical. It's a global epidemic. I think that's why it's getting a lot of traction and everybody's talking about it because it's it's the in thing now. And we can't travel and we can't meet exactly. our friends. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's that's you know everybody feels they have a say. And and some of it is understandable because obviously it's one of the vaccines that has been developed very, very quickly. You know, it's it's rec- in record time. We've not had a vaccine developed very quickly. So when you talk about vaccine denial or vaccine hesitancy, yeah. I think it's something we cannot ignore or start pointing fingers at because there will be people who are genuinely or genuinely have concerns, genuine concerns about it. Mm-hmm. Um, one, as I've said, it's been developed very quickly. Two, it's been pushed by the government. I mean, if you don't trust the government, you're not you're, you're gonna have worries, especially if you don't trust how they've handled the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, why would you why would you want to trust it? Some people just have a problem with pharmaceutical companies in general, that you know, so they might not trust it. And other people have other emotive subjects or things like fertility or or genuine concerns. So I think what I would say, Dorothy, is we can't ignore those things that people are concerned about. I think we have to look at those and address those. And then you've got the other end of the spectrum where these people who are just anti-vaccines and who are really working hard to drive the message that vaccines are bad for you and don't take it. And I think what we are faced with as as, as a profession and as a population is, I think their message tends to be attractive, it tends to be clear, it tends to be convincing, and they do tend to choose things that they know mean a lot to people. Fertility, for example, having microchips, people will be scared of that. Oh, being told it's been it's been tested on some, you know, the black race or as a race, you know, you're, you're, you're being sacrificed or, you know, those are things that actually really mean, mean something to people. So they will be scared. And the antivirus messages are very well packaged. They are, you know, they, they are in people's faces, you know, social media. Right. They've worked so hard to spread these messages. And unfortunately, the, the good gospel of the, of the, of the vaccines and how best, you know, and, and the proper information is not to that level. No, we, we, we've we not matched that, what, right. the, what the hesitancy message is doing. We've not matched that. So I think it's time for everybody, you know, or governments or, you know, to, to reflect on how we deal with vaccine hesitancy, not to ignore it, mm-hmm. to acknowledge it's there and actually deal with the issues that people are concerned about, because they will be different. In different right. different areas in the in the UK, it's been very it's been about some races, you know, some et- minor ethnic minorities are concerned, and mainly because of mistrust of of the system, culture, religion. You know, people think maybe oh, it might have um, pork or eggs or gelatin. You know, so you have to look at why why is it what's what's the message that's going mm. on there deal with that directly try and and and, and push on and try and push our messages so rather than it coming i mean if, if if a good example is kenya you know if it's all coming from the government mm-hmm. and you know people are thinking oh there was the covid 
billionaire scandal, mm-hmm. the mistrust is gone, isn't it? You know, people, right. people are thinking, well, why are you telling us? Whereas if we target it, if people are worried about culture or if people are worried about chips or people are worried, if we use trusted, mm-hmm. you know, roots. Like the churches, the mosques the as well. Right. Yes. The temple, community leaders, you know, even and use unconventional ways like Facebook, WhatsApp, everything that the anti-vaxxers are using. So the message is at hand, it's available, it's consistent, it's clear, and people understand more and they're more likely to know the truths and know the truths. So, for example, why are we having AstraZeneca and not Pfizer? Why is the country just offering one vaccine and not the others? You know, explaining, oh, it's because of it's from the COVAX. Um, it's from the COVAX, you know, so just understanding the truths, all the truths about the vaccine and making that information clear, available, consistent, will really help a lot with vaccine hesitancy and rather than just ignoring it. Which is why I really wanted to have you on the podcast, because I thought you would break it down to us. And like, why should I take the vaccine? I have taken the vaccine because well, my mother was like, you take the vaccine first and then let me see. So I've taken the vaccine. But why should, if someone asks, why should I take the vaccine? What's in it for me? Should I care? Mm. What would you tell them? So I think what I would tell them is, one, look at, look at the evidence of previous vaccines. What have vaccines done for us as, as a population? So think about um, how people used to die of measles and the difference that has made. Think about how people used to die of things like rubella, hepatitis, and the difference that has made. So that's, that's a real example of how vaccines work. Number two, I think I would ask them to reflect on the risk of COVID-19 and what it's caused. And the thing is, it's affected all of us. It's affected all of us. So one, you could, if you got COVID-19, I would say, think about the risks of getting COVID-19. When you when you get COVID-19, you could die. You know, there's risk of death. Or maybe you will not die, but have, you know, complications, you know, health issues, long COVID impacts, and you don't know how your body's going to deal with it. You could end up in hospital. And if we all end up in hospital, that means we stress our you know, hospital right. systems. There isn't enough room Even for all of us. There isn't enough room for all of us. And I think we forget that it's just not all about COVID. You know, you could need an ICU bed after an accident. You could need, right. you know, so we, we just need to think about the health system. Can it cope? If I if I was knocked, got knocked tomorrow and I needed an ICU bed, I could easily lose my life because it's all full of COVID patients. And also thinking about your loved ones. You know, so only to protect you. And, and as I, I don't know if I described this before, obviously vaccines are not 100%, so you might get ill. But the evidence shows if you've had a vaccine, you're likely to get less ill than if you didn't. So the complications are a bit less. It, for me, it just says, yeah, take it. It just, it, the risks, for me, the risks really outweigh, really, the benefits really outweigh the risks. And given the year we've had, and it's just not about health, you know, all around how it's affecting us, the economy, mm. our social life, you know, I would say go for it so we can try and get back to some sort of normality and um, and and obviously prevent the risks to ourselves and, and to, to our loved ones and to the populations as a population as a whole. 
you know, we've we've been under lockdown in Kenya. It's been it's almost two weeks now, and we've seen the positivity ratio rates go down from twenty two percent now to fourteen percent. So, what happens in a population if you know we have fifty four million and only let's say ten million make it to have the vaccine? What does that do to the overall ecosystem? Does it help or not? And what happens if we end up with 90% who've taken the vaccine. Just explain to us those two scenarios, what would happen and what, where is the risk? Okay, so if we if we don't take the vaccine, and the vaccine is not the only way out. I think we need to understand with, with COVID-19, just like many other diseases, it's a multifaceted, you know, we have to put many interventions together to, to, to get rid of, of an illness. So we're not saying vaccination is the only answer, you know, we still have to observe. It's similar to washing hands or using toilet properly properly and things like that. There are simple public health things that we have to keep doing, you know, practicing hygiene and all of that to prevent the virus. But I think in a population level is the more people are vaccinated, you, you or the, you develop something called called or the more people have the disease and if we knew how long how long that someone would, would once you've had the disease how long you would have these memory cells in your body and not been able to take the disease the more people have those memory cells whether it's by vaccination or by having the disease mm-hmm. you create what you call a hard immunity so you, you you have many people who are less likely to get the virus or when they get it, they're less likely to get ill, or they are less likely to transmit, and when they transmit it, people are not getting ill. So then that suppresses the, the, the infection rate, and it means that, that it means that you're having less and less people getting the disease. So overall, when you look at that, overall the disease then goes down and it goes to, to lower levels that, that, that are manageable. Whereas if we decide, oh, we're not going to take the vaccine, you know, we can't be in lockdown forever. You know, that's not the nature of, of human of human beings and how we can we can run because of economic right. reasons, social reasons, and, and things like that. So once you've had a, a vaccine, it's similar to all the other diseases I was describing, Dorothy. Once you've had a vaccine, you've had a lot of people protected from the disease, can't get the disease, or when they get the disease, they either can't, chances of transmitting it are low, or chances of getting really ill are low. Then the more people that get it, the better for the population, and the, the, the sooner we can fight the, the pandemic and, and get back to normality. So that means that we should really all try. I mean, everyone who's listening to the podcast to try and get the vaccine because it outweighs the dangers of not taking the vaccine at all. Oh yes, I mean, when you when you look back and reflect, think about how many people have died. I mean, in the UK, we've had about one hundred and twenty-seven thousand people mm-hmm. who've died of COVID nineteen, and you know, those are just not numbers. You know, those are people, and behind those numbers are people, our families, our children who've been who've lost a month, a month, a mother, a dad, an uncle, are you know people who we've lost, you know, who could be contributing to the economy. Then, when you look at our hospital systems, there's been a lot of pressure and resources that have gone into that. And then also lockdown and how that's affected a lot of people. I mean, I mean, look at our country. You know, a lot of people don't even have um, in Kenya. A lot of people don't even have permanent contracts. A lot of people don't have the the, the 
uh, resources to work from home. Mm. Our children have lost out. Mm. You know, they've been at home. So when you look at all these risks and the impacts that the, the pandemic has had, international travel and on everybody, you know, the health and some people are suffering from long COVID, you know, long-term effects of COVID. Mm. And looking at those people dying, I think it just shows and, and it just shows that there's too much risk to take by not um, taking the virus or by not um, trying to, to look at ways or encouraging people to take the virus. So it's it's such a big risk that I would say you know, the of, yeah, really elevates that risk and is the best thing for us to do. Okay, so the other question I was going to ask you had to do with side effects, which I think is what people are worried about. And those people who are asymptomatic don't seem to have any, any side effects at all, even when they take the vaccine. So how do we how do we navigate that? Because I also think it's the fear of the side effects that's keeping people from taking the vaccine. That's a very important question, um, Dorothy, um, and a relevant one, especially now when you're having countries stopping one vaccine, especially the AZ vaccine. Mm. And I think that's not helping with um, confidence in the vaccine. So I think we need to remember that all medicines, everything in medicine is a risk-benefit approach. So all medicines have side effects and all medicines have benefits. And, and you have to look at both sides. So you have to look how big are the benefits in relation to the risks. So, you know, something simple like paracetamol or maramoja, every time you go to the shop, I would say to, to the people listening to the podcast, every time you go to the shop and buy a simple painkiller, just when you open the box, there's a leaflet, always have a read. And you'll find that things like paracetamol, when you open that and or mar, maramoja and you open it and, and look at what that shit says, it will have reactions like skin rash, mouth sores, mm -hmm. fevers, difficult in, in breathing you know, prone to bleeding, bruising, nausea, sudden weight loss, loss of uptake, jaundice, yellowing of eyes, you know, and, and all of these are rare effects of paracetamol. But then we all understand that if I have a headache and I take a maramoja or I take a paracetamol, I get better. And we tend to look at that and say, I'm, I've got a really bad headache now. I cannot be thinking of jaundice. And we don't care about those side effects then, isn't it? No, and we, sometimes we don't even read them. We don't even read them. It's true that um, all medicines have side effects. And, and this is no exception to the COVID vaccine. And, you know, everybody, when, when you get a vaccine, you know, you, you do get things like you, feel, you might feel tired, you might feel headachy, a bit achy, you might have a sore arm where the vaccine went through. But oh, this is this is true for all other vaccines as well. You know, every time you take a child for immunization, you know, they come home and they have a temperature. You know, we've seen all of this. So it's not it's not new. Mm -hmm. I think where, where the concern comes to a vaccine is obviously like the COVID, a lot of people might feel I'm not well. So why do I want to introduce this um, effects to myself? So I think I would just want to encourage people to think about the benefits. And also think about, um, you know, when we look at the data, especially the AZ vaccine now, the Johnson & Johnson ones are the main ones that everybody's talking about when it comes to side effects. And it's the side effect being discussed is, is clots, where you can have a clot of the brain and showing low platelets. I think we need to remember these are rare. They are, they are rare side effects. So, for example, we are talking about one person in, in, in a million. 
obviously data from different countries vary. So I think in the UK it's about one one about one in two hundred, mm-hmm. whereas when the the European when you look at it nationally, I, I mean globally, it's about it comes to one one in a million. And let's not forget when you're vaccinating people, a population, you're more a lot of people at the same time. These side effects are more likely to show than if you are. Like if you give everybody paracetamol at the same time, you're more likely to, to see the side effect, these side effects of paracetamol maramoja mm-hmm. than when people take it in, in ad hoc cases. It's true, you know, let's not rubbish and say, oh, they are 100% safe because that's not the way medicine works. Everything has side effects. And I think, again, we go back to the risk and the benefit. And, and again, there's existed like let's let's talk about the pill, for example. You know the, the pill that women take for family planning. I mean, when you look, that has does have um, impacts on on clothes. It does have side effects of, of clothes, and nobody talks about it. I mean, women take the the bath pill. You know, it, it's about five hundred in in a million. That's more. So that's about zero point zero five. Whereas the AstraZeneca vaccine is about, as I was saying earlier, one in 200. So that's about four in a million. So that's 0.004. So it just puts it into context. Mm-hmm. And people who are smoking, for about 1,700 cases of smokers in every million, they could get blood clots as well. And actually having COVID infection itself does give you a risk of blood clots. So about 165,000 in every million of people wow. who develop COVID 19 have a chance of developing blood clots. So that's 16.5%. So to me, it just puts things into perspective. And and just I would agree that, you know, yes, there is a risk. But again, let's look at the risk benefit and analysis and drive that message and say, actually, you know, when you look at it in the bigger picture, the benefits of the vaccine outweigh the risks of the vaccine. And it's it's about informing people, teaching people. When people go for that vaccine, you know, making them aware that, yes, this could happen, mm. um, but these are the chances. And, and trying, you know, having that frank discussion. I think sometimes when people don't have the information, mm. then they are likely to not make the right decision. So it's making sure that we drive that information, we are clear. And again, you know, as the vaccines haven't been here a long time. So as, as a profession, the science, keep collecting the data, updating it, reviewing the, the safety reviews. And people can report, you know, there is every, 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 everybody who makes vaccines or every company that makes vaccines, there is a way of reporting side effects. And that data right. is very important. Um, so so people can learn about the safety of them and, and, and we can manage it. But again, I would I would insist, Dorothy, the benefits to me are way right. much better. I like how you've broken it down. Yeah, the risk-benefit analysis. And just what you said, if I have an accident and I have to go to hospital, but the hospital is really busy with all the COVID cases, I may not get treatment. If you break it down to that level, then mm. better off just taking the vaccine and, and keeping yourself and your loved ones safer. So, sorry, I was going to say, and we walk into into chemists all the time right. and buy medication. You know, I mean, I, I, and especially you know in Kenya. Obviously, I grew up in Kenya, and I, mm. you know, you you just walk in, and there is no prescription. I need this. I need, and I you just get it. It's there. You know, they sell right. it to you. And when you read, I mean, I would just urge everybody to be reading the the, the papers that come in the packaging. You need to understand how this medicine will interact so that when it happens, I can go, oh, this, I read about it. But people tell me, why do you bother reading? Just 
do it. So I think what you're asking us is to be more mindful as well when we're reading, when we get medicine, to read about the side effects and be informed. Mm. And be informed there and, and understand that it's always a risk always with, a with risk. medicine. And for, uh-huh. Unfortunately, unfortunately, with, with the modern medicine, right. it's always a risk. And we always have to continually make that choice of is it going to benefit more than it's than it's going to offer me the risk and, and make those informed decisions. And it's okay to ask. I think have those conversations with your clinician uh, when you have the vaccine and, and just understand. And I think we need to be driving those messages a bit more so people can make conscious decisions um, and know what they're doing and get empowered so they can make the right decisions rather than hearing. Because these are the messages when you're talking about hesitancy. These are the messages that the anti-vax people will pick on and mm-hmm. capitalize on and drive fear and, and drive lack of confidence and doubt and make people not take the vaccine. So I think making people informed, giving them that information, um, equipping them so they're aware of um, what they're putting themselves into and, and keep an eye on the data. We're learning, as I say, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're still learning. And regulatory bodies are on it. You know, When people get the vaccine, it's important they know if they feel unwell, where do I report it? In, in the UK, we have what we call the yellow card system. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there is a, a similar thing in Kenya. And it's, it's about people knowing that you know, I can report this and if I feel unwell, this is what I should expect. And having that confidence that the data is being looked at. And uh, obviously, as, as we go along and as we get to learn more about the, the vaccines, uh, that will be updated as well. So if I've gotten the first vaccine, I got an SMS telling me this was the batch of AstraZeneca and my next vaccine is on this date, which is really impressive. <laughs> My question to you is, so once I've taken the second one, what does that mean? Does that mean that I will always need a COVID vaccine to survive this life? That, what does that mean? Does that mean next year I'll still need another vaccine dose and this will be part of my life? Or okay. will the memory be so good that I don't need it? <laughs> so the, the simple answer, I wish I could sit here and tell you, Oh, the memory is amazing. We are confident the memory is amazing, Dorothy. You will never have to fear COVID-19 again. I wish I could give you that. But unfortunately, I can't. And, and the reason why I can't is because we are still collecting the data and the evidence. So there's a lot of studies that are ongoing for each of the vaccines to try and follow people up. Because the only way, the only people need to remember that the only way we learn about vaccines, the only way we learn about diseases and and medicine is by by following people it's by the evidence really and it's by the data that we are collecting and that's why data is so so important obviously the vaccines have only i mean the uk vaccination started in december so it's not it's not even six months since vaccination has started so there's a lot of studies collecting data about vaccination and then trying to study how long these memories our antibodies remain in your body. So it could be, you know, it could be there's a, there's, there's a scenario, there, there are scenarios that it could be, you know, you, they remain for a very long time, or it could be they remain for, for a few months and people have to do a top up, like we do a top up for the seasonal flu influenza every year. You know, every year we vaccinate, we do a top up for, for, the, for the influenza. Or it could be, you know, we are clear, uh, we are clear that it's a year, it's every year, it's a booster, we need booster or we don't. So I think I would say the jury is out there 
for this one. Uh, and for now, we know the studies have shown that, you know, for several months, at least several months, some people are still showing antibodies, which is great news. But now that the vaccine is being given to the population, it will give us a great opportunity to study the data. That's why collection of data is important. Who is being vaccinated? Where are they? What are their age groups? Have they got existing conditions? After so many months, you know, what what are they, have they still got the antibodies? Uh, are they are they ill? If they if they go ill again, you know, are they are they getting ill? Are they less ill? And this data will help us understand the vaccines a lot more, and it will help it will help guide the vaccine program on whether we will need booster vaccines or whether we will not need booster vaccines, or whether it's a particular age that will need them. You know, some risk groups. It could be the elderly will need them, and the younger ones won't. So, and again, as as as, as we've said before, once we suppress the disease and it's not circulating as much in the population, that's still a factor that we need to put in place when we are deciding on whether booster vac- vaccines are needed or not. It could be you need it when you travel to some place. So there's all of these factors, Dorothy, that we'll need to wait and see what um, the data shows us. And um, and so that's why we need pro- good data data systems and collecting of that data. And a lot of studies, I know AstraZeneca, you know the Oxford, they're doing a lot of studies on different age groups. For example, is it good on pregnant women? Mm-hmm. Is it good on children? Well, yeah, you you're know, all pregnant. Of those are Are you able to take the vaccine? I'm wondering, <laughs> in your case, because... Would you be allowed to take the vaccine in your in your state? Yes, yes, I would. So the thing is, um, when they did the trials, like like any other trial, clinical trial, you do the, the preclinical phase before you give it to the population. Mm. Pregnant women are not the people you include in, in trials right. because the various risks. So they did not include pregnant women in the trials. However, there were people in there who were not pregnant and getting the vaccine or were frontline workers and ended up being pregnant. So there is some data that is being studied. And the evidence so far, you know, it's not a lot. As I said, it's not a lot of data because pregnant women were not included. At the moment, what vaccine vaccination board is saying at the moment is you can have it if you're pregnant, but discuss it with your clinician, you know, because it will depend if you've got any other existing illnesses and things like that. So again, it's it's unclear, but there are studies that are ongoing because as we vaccinate the population, we will get a lot of people who get pregnant in the process. And then we can have that data as evidence to, to, to tell us if it's safe or not. So I would say if you're if you're pregnant, you know, it's it's good to discuss with your clinician because there might be other reasons why. For example, if you're if you're if I if you're working frontline and are seeing patients all the time and the risk is higher, then it could be the risk of getting is 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 higher than not you know the risk of getting COVID is higher than uh, the risk of the vaccine. So it has to be individual discussions. And as I say, as time goes on and as they are collecting the data and studies are coming out on, on pregnant women or even children, then yeah, definitely will be clearer. So in the UK, you know, the, the, it is allowed, it is allowed to have the vaccine, but the advice is have a proper discussion with your clinician uh, before you make that decision. And it's very much on an individual basis, but there is no overwhelming evidence that is showing us that it's it's bad. What gives you comfort when you look at 2021? You know, we, we are in April, we're, we're not even halfway what gives you comfort? What gives me comfort is when I look at the numbers. And I think in the beginning, uh, 
people are very familiar familiar with the R number. You know, I think people really go, it was a good opportunity for people to learn a lot about public health and science. Yes. So you were hearing R number, and then you were hearing about the 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 epicurve, and people are talking about waves. And I remember sitting here, and part of my job involves looking at numbers in the UK and, and, and reports and, and things like that. And it just seemed so hopeful, you know, when you looked at the situation in hospitals and they're building hospitals and it's just, you're having 3,000 deaths a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just so distressing. Whereas we've had about 32 million people take the first dose of their vaccine now, which is very hopeful because the vaccine program has been very, very successful. So at least 32 million. So that's about 48% of the population has, has taken up the vaccine. And, and there's been a really clear guidance on who. So they're doing it with age. So when you ask me the question of have I taken it, mm. I'm not yet in the age group of, right. of being offered yet. We've started with the elderly and people who are seeing patients every day and going down. And this as a, up to this morning, I think they were saying anybody 40 plus. Um, can go and have the vaccination. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for my age 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 group to 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 be called in, and I will be having the vaccination. But I think what I'm hopeful is we've seen since the vaccination started, especially around those age groups that have already had the vaccine, the infections have gone really really low. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we are talking about a daily figure now of about 2,000 cases, and we're talking of less than two digits, about 70 deaths a day, when we were Uh talking about thousands of deaths a day. So the graph is slowly, the curve is slowly coming down. Mm. And that's really helpful, hopeful for me as as a, as a, as a, as a, you know, professional that actually things are getting better than they were last year. And we are starting to open up. I mean, we opened our shops, our non-essential shops, on Monday after months and months and months. And now people can meet in the garden. So it's looking great. You can go to the salon, you know, you can go and have a, a, a you know, you can go to a pub or a bar or a restaurant mm-hmm. and have a drink of food outside. You know, we are, we are social beings. And, right. and seeing that and seeing the joy of people who opening up and our streets opening up again and people being able to go back to work and, and rebuilding the economy because, you know, it's affected everybody. It's made me so hopeful and looking at those charts and graphs and seeing once there was a huge peak and now it's slowly coming down. Mm. just makes me smile. It really wow. does make me smile. I hope that we can <laughs> see that in Kenya as well, because I think that we haven't, the age thing has been there, but I think because of the vaccine hesitancy, not many people have been going, so it has just been open to, if you can, go take it because there's an expiry date to the vaccine, so they cannot stay for long. So it has just been available if you're willing to be brave enough. And I'm hoping that our conversation will inspire others. You have broken it down easily for us as to why mm. it's important, why we need to get the memory of the antibodies in our body. and given us hope that if we do it, we will see the recovery happening sooner than we expect. Mm. And then hopefully we'll see you come to visit us soon. Absolutely. I mean, um, I, I really can't wait to come home. I, I come home every, my family is back there, you know, mom, dad, sisters, brothers, and I tend, we tend to come home once a year, mm. you know, and, and last year we haven't, so I haven't seen them for a year, right. um, which, 
you know, I'm hoping that uh, later in the summer or around Christmas, we can at least visit mm-hmm. and, and see family again. Because obviously right. with parents, people are getting older and it's, you know, it's it's a year, it's a, it's a year that we've missed out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I feel for our children as well. It's a year they've missed out in schools. And, mm-hmm. and I just hope people can try and be rational, try and get the information in the right place. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand, ask. But also I would urge the government, public health mm-hmm. people, or clinicians or, every, or or even anybody who develops an understanding. I think let's mm-hmm. all play to our strength of Harambe, pull through this together, I think. So if you, if you, if you see a, having a conversation with a friend, just, you know, just ask, but why would you not take the vaccine mm-hmm. and try and see their reason? And if you've got the correct information, just share it, share it. Let's use our social media. If you see something on social media, just share the right information. Speak to people, encourage people with the right information, point them to, to the right places where they can get that information. And and every little bit, as, as our Harambe spirit says, and everybody has a part to play. And if we pull through this together, I'm hopeful that we can get through it and, and you know, get back to normality and, and right. be able to, to mix again and, and be able to have a life again um, like we did wow. before, even better than we yes. did before. What a powerful way to end with the Harambe spirit. And you've said it, you know, so well, like that's the spirit of pulling together and let us be rational about it and let us ask questions and let us get the info that we need. And if someone is saying something, challenge that if you have the right information. Thank you so much, Tabitha. I've really enjoyed Thank you. you just educating us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Dorothy. Thanks for having me. Well, that's all today in No Head, where we learn to live in the present moment and navigate life together. Thanks for listening. You can also follow me on Instagram, No Head Podcast. Catch you next time, my friend. May you be informed. May you share the right information and may you play your part to help fight COVID-19. Bye-bye.